Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hi, and a very warm welcome to The Emma Gunn Show. And an Emma Gunn Show with a difference. There is no guest this week. This is an Ask Me Anything. This episode is very kindly provided by you, my most excellent listeners, because you have very generously furnished me with some fantastic questions that I will go through. And it occurred to me, actually, a couple of months ago, I used to do an Ask Me Anything probably every three months, maybe every four months. It was a pretty regular feature, And I haven't done one for such a long time, so it seemed like a really smashing way to see out 2022 by having a chat with you again and really sharing with you the things that you've been asking me about, whether it's on DM, whether it's in the Facebook group. These are specific questions that have come through the Facebook group, but there's a lot of crossover with a lot of the topics that I'm asked about on Instagram. So it seemed like a perfect time to have this conversation and to see what you would like to know. And also, I know a few people have been missing episodes like Bullet Points, it's all been very strategic in order to make some changes and and uh, have a very exciting 2023. Watch this space. But um, this is us getting to chat to each other again. So thank you, first of all, for spending uh, your time with me. And let's get cracking. So the first question is from Anthony. And Anthony asks, of all the habits you've tried, which are the ones you have stuck with in the long term and find most beneficial and why? This is an excellent question. And actually, it makes me realize quite how many times we've discussed habits on this podcast. And especially if you are following me on Instagram and you see the efforts that I put in, you not only hear about it, but you see it. So just a little bit of uh, history for anyone who isn't familiar. Back in 2018, I did a year-long project called 26 Habits. And this idea was that every two weeks I would start something new to either make or break a habit. So I think the first one was to stop drinking coffee, which was obviously ridiculous and very stupid of me to even attempt because coffee is life. Um, And I adore it. And so there's absolutely no way I wanted to give it up. But it was also sort of looking at things like the fact that disposable the takeaway cups that you get in coffee shops aren't recyclable. Aren't recyclable. They aren't recyclable. And a very, very small percentage actually gets recycled, even if you think that you are doing the right thing and putting it in a recycling bin. So I kind of touched on things like that and also the sort of cost over time because a four pound coffee every day really mounts up. And at the time I'd been doing my tax return, I was like, I've spent how much in Cafe Nero? So it was something that I wanted to interrogate a bit more and also just see like, do I need to have this coffee every day? Turns out, listeners, I did. But in and amongst 26 Habits, we also did things like I did a spending freeze. I didn't wear makeup for two weeks. I did get fake, I did get um, what, fake lashes put on. I forgot what it's called now. But anyway, uh, during those two weeks, because I felt very naked of the face. But we did all sorts of things. And I know that lots of you came along for the ride. And actually, I used to get a lot of messages at the sort of end of the year and beginning of the year, like, when are you bringing habits back? When are you bringing habits back? So I brought it back this year. Uh, not for the full year, actually, and that more more to be explained later. But rather than two weeks, which did feel a little bit too brief to really let things take root, I was doing 12 Habits, which was getting to spend the whole month spending that time really implementing the habit, trying it on for size, wriggling around, making it fit or sort of shrugging it off because it didn't work. And the first one was um, Meditation. It was Vedic meditation. I did a Vedic meditation course in London with Gillian Lavender at the London Meditation Centre and actually spent four days, uh, two-hour sessions every day, going in, learning the skills, understanding why. And that has been a game-changer. So in and amongst all of the habits that I've done, I do have to say that I think meditation is the one that has really stuck because I did try it in 26 Habits for the two weeks, but I used an app. I was like, let's see how zen I feel after two weeks of using an app. 
it's a completely different muscle that you're using when you go and learn a skill like Vedic meditation. You have a teacher talk you through it, share with you your mantra, and really explain to you what mental, physical, and emotional benefits are happening as you're doing this daily practice. And I did the course at the beginning of January, and I was really diligent with the habit right up until the end of the summer. And then I was doing another habit, which was getting up at five o'clock every day, joining the 5am club. If anyone has read that book, the 5am club, please get the audible, get the, get the audible book. The voices are so comedy. They are so funny. I was listening to it walking around the park, almost in hysterics because, and also I listened to things on like 1.5 uh, times the speed. So the fact that the voices were already ridiculous and then they were sped up made it a whole different experience but I digress. So for that particular habit, it was great because I'd wake up at 5am, I'd plump my pillows behind me in bed. It was already beautifully bright. It was the middle of the summer because I think I did this in July and I would meditate. And then as, and I loved that habit. I love getting up at 5am. I kept doing it after that habit finished. I love my meditating, but in conjunction, those two things took a little bit of a, there was a dip when the weather changed and the mornings got darker. And actually it took me a little while to recalibrate. And during that period, I stopped meditating in the afternoon. And every now and again, I'd forget in the morning as well. And I spoke to Gillian about it. And I was like, I'm really like, I can't get back into the groove again. And we had a really nice conversation. And if you've heard Gillian on the podcast, you'll know that she's a very anchored, centered, calm, reasonable, very clear. When she speaks, she's very clear, but very persuasive. And I thought, yeah, I, I actually want everything that she's selling and I've already had it and I've let it go. So that's a really long answer to say that of all of the habits, I think meditation is the one that has had the most benefit and that I've stuck with the most because when I stopped doing it, I started to feel a sense of overwhelm. I started to feel a little bit anxious. I started to feel things that I don't enjoy feeling, which is freewheeling, out of control and sad. I think my brain can take me to very dark places if left unchecked. And meditation isn't like counseling or therapy or anything like that, but it is, it is something that tethers you. And I was explaining this to Gillian on text actually the other day. I feel tethered and almost like a balloon when I wasn't meditating in the afternoon. I felt like I was just sort of blowing on the wind. And if something happened, I could get very easily caught up in it. Whereas I've been back into the two meditations a day and I'm really strict with it, but not in a way that's um, sort of strict, strictly flexible or flexibly strict in that, yes, I'm going to meditate twice a day, but I'm going to do it on my terms. If that means I'm doing it on a train I'm not going to be like, excuse me, everybody, just an announcement, I'm off to meditate. It's it's much more, it's much softer than that. It's a much more fluid kind of strictness, flexible strictness. I like that. Um, I feel already, I think it's been three weeks now, I, after a week, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 this is, this is actually amazing. Why did I let this go? After two weeks, I began to feel much calmer. And as we go into it, three weeks or three and a half weeks, I actually feel really amazing for having for doing these meditations twice a day the benefit for your mental health that sense of feeling tethered and not being pulled in all sorts of mental emotional and physical directions is well worth the investment of taking that time to actually learn the skill so that would be the habit that's really stuck with me but I think the habit that actually because I'm going to give you two because why would I give you one answer when I can give you two one of the habits that has actually really compounded something that I'd been learning, but maybe taking a while to notice was the push-up habit. Because when I got on that mat on that first day, I think that was June the 1st, I could not, I could lower myself. And that was even progress from where I'd been before doing yoga and things like that. I was able to lower myself, but I simply had not an ounce or a scrap of strength to be able to push myself back up and it seemed so impossible how do you build that strength I work out I lift weights I do quite a bit of strength training I definitely built muscle over the last couple of years I think if you follow me on Instagram you would have seen the physical changes I've made so it really bummed me out that I couldn't do a press-up it seemed so horribly unfair but I knew, and this is a real benefit from working with coaches like um, the coaches at the EC Method. So that's Emma Story Gordon, who's been a guest on this podcast, and also Chloe Maidley. 
of just, you just got to show up. You just got to show up, grit your teeth. And also, it's not just about showing up every day and putting the effort in. It was a really good example of acknowledging, I know nothing, I'm a beginner. I'm starting from absolutely nothing. And I think we spend so much of our lives wanting to feel accomplished and that we're good at things, which is obviously a great feeling. And once you get to a certain age, you you have hopefully a lot of those sensations racked up and you think, yeah, I've got, I've got real um, confidence in this. But to actually go, oh no, I'm I, I absolutely I'm starting from the beginning. I'm weak. I can't do this, but it's something that I want to learn. To go back into that beginner, that learning mindset was really helpful. And it was quite humbling, like on the first days to do the videos and I was doing on Instagram and to be like, Hi, my name's Emma, I'm 44, and I'm doing a push-up against a wall because I have no upper body strength. And to gradually, I mean, I wanted it to take a month, it didn't, but like over the course of six weeks, six, seven weeks, I think, going from those wall push-ups to using a bench on my knees, then using a bench on my toes, but then a higher bench, like really taking the time to be in the beginner zone of doing those push-ups against the wall and staying there until they were too easy and then taking the next step, but not taking too big a step. All of that was really good mental reminders of this is what learning is about. Don't expect to know everything. Don't expect to be able to do something right from the off. And so there was a real physical gain, but I think there was a real mental strength that came with doing that habit. And now I can very happily in the morning get ready to do my workout. I'm like, right, I'm just going to bust out three push-ups before I start. And it just, it, I don't even have to think about it. So now it's like, right, I want to build up those numbers. I want to make sure my form's really good. But the real key is not being afraid to be a beginner and not being embarrassed about having to like go go in the pool and wear armbands as a grown-up, which is kind of how those first uh, press-ups felt against the wall. I was standing on tiptoes against a wall. I mean, it, I couldn't have been weaker <laughs> And then also it's just, right, I want this. And that means showing up every day. Some days it's going to be better than others. Sometimes, some days I'm going to be physically stronger. Sometimes I'm going to be mentally stronger. But the thing that counts is the turning up every single day. And I think if you can take that lesson from something like a simple push-up habit and apply it to anything, then I think, I think that's such a valuable lesson. So in answer to your question, <laughs> that's it's meditation and it's press-ups and I hope that I've explained why they um wasn't just yeah I can do press-ups now I hope that you can see that there's some real meat to those so thank you for that question Anthony that was great um Vanessa has asked are there any more contraception hormone related podcasts coming I'm 38 and have just decided to come off the pill for no reason other than being fed up with pumping synthetic hormones into my body um so there probably won't actually be any specific contraception hormone related podcast coming. I've done a lot. I feel like we've covered a huge amount of ground uh, over the seven years of the podcast. I've had a lot of hormone experts on and we have talked about very, very specific topics and we have done listener questions. And I also feel, like I told you this is a two-part answer, back when I started the podcast in 2016, so it's nearly seven years, not quite, um, having long form conversations with someone like a hormone specialist was actually really hard to find, really, really hard to find. And to be able to really dig into a topic with them and ask listener questions and almost kind of, uh, break down the barrier between the sort of patient doctor scenario so that you could inform yourself via something other than Dr. Google and actually hear somebody talk about a case study or something that they'd done. That was really rare. And I was so happy to be creating these episodes where they were so jam-packed with helpful information that they then empowered whoever was listening to then go to their doctor and say, look, I'm feeling like this. I've heard this. Can we investigate this? It was just adding another layer of empowerment. But I think that space has become a little bit saturated. This is something that I've definitely known this year and I'll probably um, open up on this in another episode. Uh, I'm not sure uh, Ask Me Anything is the right uh, place. But um, what I don't want to do is become Dr. Duke 
Dr. Google. <laughs> what I don't want to do is become Dr. Google. And in my effort to put great information out there, actually put conflicting or unhelpful information out there. And because that space has become so busy and because there are a lot of people offering advice in this area, some qualified and dare I say some not so qualified, I'm instinctively for the sake of integrity and also because I care deeply about you, my most excellent listeners, I am taking a step back from those sorts of episodes because um, they don't feel as safe or as helpful as they used to. But if I'm wrong, please email me and tell me. But that is my, as a, from my creator mode, that's how it feels. And my second part to that uh, question is I did exactly the same thing in my late 30s. I came off synthetic hormones because I had been put on the pill for PCOS when I was 17 and I'd been on it for 20 years and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it was, I'm really happy with my decision, but there is a little bit of turbulence because your body's like, if you've been on that pill for a long time, your body's like, we know what's happening and it's controlled in some way. And when you, when you take the control out, your body takes a couple of months because it goes, what did you do that for? So, uh, for example, one of the reasons I was put on the pill was a hormone issue and terrible acne. And it was really interesting because in my late thirties, I suddenly got bad acne again. It went quickly, but it, my body went, um, last time we had to do this on our own, we did this. So yeah, there was a lot of acne that suddenly sprouted on my face, but then it calmed down. It does take a while for your body just to kind of go, okay, no, I can do this on my own. So, um, whatever you're doing, uh, do, do chat to a health professional. A one-on-one appointment is obviously always going to be better than a, a source like a podcast, even though I'm sure there are people out there who try to put out really incredible information. But if you are concerned about it and you have been on it for a long time, my advice would be just talk it through with your doctor and ask about the potential side effects. Ask to ask about the time frame that you can expect to have any turbulence for and how long it will really take your body to ideally in an ideal scenario, like how long it will take your body to kind of rebalance, not rebalance as a terrible way to describe it, but just begin to be able to get onto its own rhythm rather than one that is um, influenced by a synthetic hormone. I hope that helps. Anna has asked, I would be very interested to know how your early mornings are going now that you're in winter. I found winter very hard and my early mornings just completely disappeared. I've added in some character there. (laughs) Sorry. It's like I'm doing a radio play. Now that it's summer again, uh, Anna is in New Zealand, I'm motivated to get up early again. Maybe it's about changing what you do in the cold and dark. Exercise seemed to be the last thing my body wanted to do. I would really appreciate hearing about your experiences. Anna, this is a fantastic question. And when I did the 5am habit, many, 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 many people (laughs) messaged me saying, um... You're like doing it in the lightest month of the year. That's kind of cheating. And there's an element of truth in that. I hadn't thought about it. It was just, I think it was immediately after the press up challenge. It just felt, it was something that I had, someone had told me about. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll give that a go. So it was, it was very much coincidence, but it was a coincidence that meant that the month that I did it made it very, very easy. So we are now in December and it doesn't get light until about... 7 30 ish it's late it's very very late um so essentially i haven't stuck with the 5 a.m habit and when i came out of the 5 a.m habit i did it did get flabby there were some mornings where um i re i got up really late and that was just that was a few weeks that weren't fantastic for me because one of the things that I really enjoyed about getting up at 5am was I felt like I didn't have to, I didn't have that pressure on the day ahead of me because I was so ahead of schedule. I was like, yes, this is fantastic. So when I was getting up later, I was waking up and as soon as I got up, there was a panic. Oh God, I've got to work out immediately. Oh, I've got to have my coffee. Oh, I've got to do, oh, what do I have? I've got time to wash my hair. So there was all of that going on because I had condensed my day or that's how my brain was perceiving it. And so it took a couple of months. I'm not going to lie. It didn't happen overnight. And then I tried to go back to 5am. Well, that wasn't going to work because it was just too dark and it just didn't feel right to get up at that time. And then a couple of months ago, I thought, right, let's just be sensible about this. Set your alarm for 6.30 because actually in winter, that's a completely respectable time to be getting up. So set my alarm for 6.30 
And I've been really sticking to that. And actually, it's less about the time, I think, and it's more about creating that structure. So getting up at the same time every day. So a little bit like I said, during the 5am habit, it's not just about the time. The reason that 5am habit stuck and I really got on with it and the reason why I got through those first sort of 10 to 12 days where your body goes, no, Emma, stay in bed, you pain in the whatnot because it's warm in here and it's 5am out there. The thing is to get out of bed get up, get out of bed, move, move, move into another room. So that's what I've been doing at 6.30. I get up and I move into another room. And that structure is so brilliant. I honestly, I almost wake up every day at 6.29. But as, and I look over at my Apple Watch as it's charging and it just, as it clicks into 6.30 and my alarm goes off, I've got into that real structure. I think there's so much to be said for getting up and going to bed at the same time every single day. And it's much harder to control the evening than it is the morning, I think, especially at this time of year when there's lots going on, you might be getting back late from certain things. So having that structure in the morning has been an absolute game changer. So I have tweaked it, but I absolutely, come the spring, I would, I know that I felt really good for those 5am starts, so I'd absolutely tweak it again. And to your point about exercise, this morning, so I do, um, I work out with strength training four times a week at the moment, Monday, Tuesday, I take a rest day on Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday. And then I take a rest of the weekend and I just do long walks on my rest days. And this morning I woke up, I was at a work dinner last night. So I got back quite late. I had a couple of glasses of champagne, which thank goodness I was fine. I didn't feel hungover or anything because that's all it takes these days. It can take half a glass and it can knock me out, but nope, it was all good. And I was a bit slow to start. And so actually I just did my warm up. I put my gym clothes on, but then I put tracksuit bottoms on over the bottom, big hoodie over the top and did my warm up. So I actually got a bit toasty. And then by the time I started my actual workout, I really wanted to shake off those layers and I felt warm again. That sounds sort of slightly uh, backward, but that kind of tricks you into that sort of, oh, it's actually warmer than you think. And a warm up, if you are waking up and you're feeling cold and you're feeling a bit cranky and you're feeling a bit, don't really want to move. Just doing a five minute warm up, just swinging your arms around, just very, that's like head rolls, doing some, just doing some really gentle movement. You'll find that a workout happens very easily after that. So yes, the body does want to stay in bed, but if you can get up as soon as your alarm goes off, I think that's the key to making everything else slot into place. The next question is from Dr. Tracy Shores, who has been a guest on this podcast, and I'm so delighted that she contributed. So, hello, Dr. Tracy. It's lovely to see you here. Uh, the question is, I know this question will be hard to answer, maybe impossible, but what have you heard from your guest speakers, excluding me, that has most changed the way that you think and what you most want others to know about? Gosh, this is hard to answer. This is This is the impossible question. But... I certainly can't narrow it down to one guest because I think very I think every episode I've gone into I've been looking for an answer to something. So when Daniel Pink came on and he talked about regret, I think I have regrets and I didn't really know what to make of them or whether it was okay that I had them or I had lots of questions that weren't just for the show and for helping listeners but also my own. So I always, I, I never feel, it's very rare to come away from an episode and think, oh, I haven't learned anything or I haven't been touched or influenced by something that a guest has said. Definitely not. I think uh, the conversation with Mandy Saligari that I had with her about um, addiction and specifically when it comes to eating were incredibly significant for me because when I was having them with her, I don't think... I fully understood the depth of the issues I was having with food and food addiction, if you like, or um, having a dependency on food, using it in a way that was way beyond nourishment to survive. And actually, at the time, they didn't, almost some, some of what she said didn't really sink in. It can sometimes be a little while later that I'll either re-listen to something or I'll sort of something will happen and I think oh gosh I spoke to so and so about that and you sort of appreciate it through completely different ears if you like um so I would say Mandy's episodes because I didn't know what I was dealing with and so when she was talking to me she was being incredibly helpful 
but I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't open to it. It was just that I didn't realize that she was talking to me about my issues. I thought we were talking generally about food issues. And then it was like, oh no, yeah, no, I've got some really serious problems with food. So, um, that, that was, those were really significant. I also think the conversations I've had with, um, Dr. Uh, Tracy Dennis Tawari about anxiety and how she reframes anxiety and don't try and eliminate anxiety learn from it focus pay attention to what it's trying to tell you because it's trying to it's not trying to paralyze you it's trying to get you to perform a peak and that this her reframing she's been on the show twice actually because uh, we uh, spoke via zoom when she was in new york and then she came over to london and we spoke and it was so wonderful just to hear her talk about how anxiety which I think a lot of people feel crippled by because we've catastrophized it and we've um really almost like medicalized it and we're like, oh, I've got anxiety so I must eliminate it I must um it's really bad that's something bad about me it's like no it's like it's like your warning light system is trying to steer you towards incredible things listen to your anxiety don't try and quiet it down for goodness sake it's like your people talk about guardian angels all the time and I'm not saying anxiety is a guardian angel because I had a panic attack more than once and trust me that feels pretty awful but in terms of instinct and steering you and uh yeah, making good choices and trying to alert you to something that you might want to avoid, as well as draw you to something that you might want to run to. I think anxiety shouldn't be something that we eliminate or try to get rid of. I think it's something we should reframe and pay attention to. So that was a really valuable one. And I'm sorry, Dr. Tracy, but I am going to talk about you because, um, tough, (laughs) because one of the things that I took away from our conversation is I've always thought that I have really, even as I'm about to say it, I feel like a fool, but there we go. So when we spoke and we talked about trauma, because uh, Dr. Tracy has an incredible book all about, it's called Everyday Trauma and it's about trauma and it's really wonderful and wonderfully written and really helpful and insightful. I always thought that my memories were um, accurate. <laughs> I thought that my memories were like a video of what happened, like a like CCTV recording of events as they happened and therefore um, could not be questioned and uh anyone who contested them was like no 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 no. the car was green that sort of thing and actually to understand that memories get warped and changed very very easily has been really helpful because I think sometimes I in the past would have been stubborn about my recollection of things and also would have believed them as canon and to realize that they are fluid and they are subject to change. It's actually actually really empowering and really wonderful in a way. It makes you really open to other people's recollections of things as well, or it did for me. So that's definitely something that stuck with me. So sorry, Tracy, I had to mention you. <laughs> now, I also asked in the Facebook group about questions regarding health, diet and fitness. And so the next section really leans into those. So uh, the first one is from Emma Jane. And she asks, how long do you give a new regime? There are a few questions here, but let's go through one by one. How long do you give a new regime, either diet or fitness, before deciding it's not working for you? Now, the phrasing of this question really intrigues me before deciding it's not working for you. So I wasn't really sure because I go into a fitness and diet regime desperately wanting them to work. And so it was quite, that's why the phrasing really sort of took me, took me back. I was like, Oh, interesting. Because I think if you're sticking to something, you're going to get, and you're, you're following things to the letter. You are going to see some results if it's a change from what you were doing before. So for me, but with that said, I think I tend to give things two to three months because I think with any change, particularly when it comes to diet and or fitness, I think anything else, any shorter term, and you're not, you're not seeing actually how it's going to be long term. We're just going to see sort of the initial shock to the system results, if that makes any sense. Like if you change your diet, how many times anyone who's listening to this, you've done a diet and in the first couple of weeks you lose a significant amount of weight because it's maybe water weight or it's a shock to the system or, and then it levels out. So I think you have to, you just have to give things time. And again, it's a little bit like the press ups. 
you have to start it, you have to start the press-ups and in good faith, keep doing them, keep doing the progressions and not think so far ahead, but just think about, right, today I'm going to do these press-ups. And I know that if I do those for the next week, that I should be able to graduate to the next progression in maybe a week, two weeks, week and a half, if I'm lucky. So I think it's thinking about it like that. But um, if something's not working for you, I would ask why it's not working for you. And if it's because you're not enjoying it, then that's something different. But if you are, I mean, strength training can take a long time to really have an impact. And I think all of your questions, Emma Jane, I'm going to say to you, I would be following Chloe Maidley and uh, Emma Story Gordon on Instagram because they cover this kind of thing a lot. And I'm not in a professional uh, or qualified position to be able to help you with this, to be completely honest. So that would be my thing. But um, yeah, I think things work if you stick to them and you give them enough time. For me, it tends to be around two to three months but it can be longer, like with some some strength training to see a real change in your body. I remember someone saying to me years ago, it's going to take five years for you to get the body you want. I was like, I, excuse me, what? I was thinking eight weeks. So um, this is where you need to, or I encourage you to follow Emma and Chloe because they would have much more insight, insight on the time scales. And they'll probably tell you, don't think about the time scale. Think about what you're doing every day, which is great advice. And then the second question from Emma Jane is, what is an achievable target for weight loss? For example, if you want to lose three stone, how long do you think is sufficient to achieve and keep it off? Well, that's a big old question, isn't it? Because there's much more to the weight loss here because it's the keeping it off. So what's an achievable target for weight loss? For example, if you want to lose three stone, how long do you think is sufficient to achieve and keep it off? I think the worst thing you can do in this situation is do it quickly, meaning I don't even mean do it quickly. I mean, setting yourself up to think you can do it quickly because probably everybody listening to this has seen articles or apps or whatever that like, oh. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What, what kind of weight loss do you want to aim for? Two pounds a week is reasonable. So if you break that down, two pounds a week to lose three stone is what, 21 weeks? That's less than six months. And that's um, if you are being 100% adherent, which if you can adhere to any kind of dietary restriction without any wavering for nearly six months, then you are a better person than me because I certainly can't. And why would you want to? Like, it shouldn't be restrictive and it shouldn't be miserable um, to achieve that. But that is quite a punchy, two pounds a week is quite punchy. And then keeping it off. Well, that's a whole other thing in itself. It's a whole other other enterprise. And again, I have to refer you to Emma Story Gordon and Chloe Maidley because they are the people who can actually answer this for you. And, and answer it, they're not going to tell you a time frame. They're going to reframe your expectations I believe about what if this is even the right sort of question to be asking because my gut feeling is that it isn't it's the it's coming at it from the wrong angle but again speak to uh, Emma and Chloe DM them sign up to the EC method because this is the kind of thing in the EC method group and just so I'm not sponsored by the EC method I've always paid up I'm a, I was a fully paid up member um this is the kind of thing that gets talked about a lot in the Facebook group for the EC method, which is why it's such a brilliant resource because I would panic some mornings and be like, oh, I've put on weight or I've had a gain or whatever. And I was ready to spiral. And you go in the group and you say, right, I've had, I've had a bad morning. I've had a reaction to the scale weight, which I know is unreasonable based on all of the work that I've already done with the EC method. But can someone give me a pep talk? And within a minute, someone's coming and gone, right, remember these three things. And I think that would be a really helpful resource actually for, it sounds like from the way that you phrased your questions, it would make me think that it would be really helpful because um, the group, Emma and Chloe, are very, very realistic, very pragmatic, and they do get results and they do 
it's about a lifestyle, not a diet. And I think that that is so empowering. And then the final question is, how do you get motivated and stay motivated? Again, this is a really excellent question. I think it's about evaluating and interrogating what you really want. So uh, back in 2019, after I had my breast reduction and realized, oh, that didn't give me the body of my dreams. So what's the answer? I had to really sit down and go, right, what, what do I want? What do I really want? Because nothing I've done up to this point has worked in the long term and I'm sick of it. I want whatever I do from today forward to be something that I can maintain, sustain and that I enjoy. And part of that was like, what's my goal? What do I want to be? And it wasn't about being actually a particular goal weight. It was about living in a way where I felt good, felt stronger, felt healthier, felt more comfortable in clothes. Obviously the aesthetic part of it was a big thing for me, but um, that's what keeps me motivated. So some mornings I'll wake up and I'll think, oh, 6.30, I've got to wake up, I've got to exercise. And I'll still haul my ass out of bed and I'll do it. And other mornings I'll think, oh, I should really exercise. And then I, then I take a beat, which is my favorite thing to do because it's what Jackie Collins used to uh, get a lot of her characters. Lucky Santangelo used to take a lot of beats before she said something important. So I take a beat and I think, right, what's happening? Am I overtired? Am I dehydrated? Do I need a rest day? What's going on? And before I, I think my motivation came from connecting to me rather than what I thought I should be doing. So when I used to think about what I should be doing, it was very easy to go off track and to not, not care and to give up. But when I connected to me and I was accountable to me and not what other people thought or what I thought was the right thing to do, the commitment kind of came with it and staying motivated. It's again, it's a daily thing. So a few weeks ago, I was feeling really run down. I was like, oh God, have I, am I getting the flu? Have I got COVID? Like what's going on? I felt like garbage for about just over two weeks. And I have, because of, I have this panicked relationship with my body a little bit, it goes into, but you can't stop exercising because if you stop exercising, then you'll become obese. And it, that's my panic point. That's my thing of, oh God, if I stop exercising, everything will fall apart. And actually, it's much easier for me now to get to the point where I'm like, I really want the goal. I really want to stay on this. I really want to maintain my strength, be strong. I love the feeling of exercising. But my body is clearly not doing that great at the moment. It's succumbed to some sort of bug. So actually, the best thing I can do so that I can get back to that quicker is to rest. So I didn't exercise, no strength training for a couple of weeks, just walks, nothing too strenuous. And actually, I bounced back really quickly after that. And it's that kind of thing. It's about connect. I think motivation comes from connecting with you and what you want and how you feel rather than with what you think is right, what you think you should be doing or what you think other people expect of you. That's just my perception. Nikki's up next. Hi, Nikki. Um, Nikki has asked, how do you get back after falling off the wagon when the mental hurdle seems so massive? I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but it feels daunting and that also you're beating yourself up for being a failure. I didn't want to be overweight at 40, but here I am at nearly 50 and even more overweight. Oh, Nikki, I can relate. So I had the exact same thing um, uh, in terms of I've been doing this my whole life. I don't want to be doing this again when I'm 50. So I completely, that was one of my motivators. I completely empathize with your situation. When it comes to falling off the wagon, that mental hurdle, I completely understand. I also think the wagon is a bit of a, I think that's another stick that we use to beat ourselves with because it implies to me that perhaps there's an element of perfectionist mindset going on where it's like, if I'm perfect, if I'm really good all the time, then I'll get to my goals, which doesn't allow for anything. And so perhaps it's about shifting from perfectionism to as emma says emma story gordon imperfect action don't aim for it to be perfect aim for it to be perfect a bit of the time a lot of the time because that's a much easier thing to get your head around so for example uh recently food became a little bit of a an issue again and again with these sorts of issues i do believe they creep up on you really really slowly and before you know it, you're like, oh, goodness me, I didn't see that coming. And 
there were a couple of days where I was trying very much mentally to kind of get back into this the state and it wasn't about overeating it was about the way I was eating so I mean we're friends here so I'll just explain it to you I've talked in the past about struggling with binging or having something resembling binge eating disorder and I had got back to a point where I would find myself bent over the kitchen counter just sort of eating randomly and it would be very it wouldn't be a particularly conscious thing that I was doing and it wouldn't be with again bad and inverted commas food but it was just food that I didn't need and food that I would be eating almost sort of on autopilot. And so that was, if if left unchecked over time, that would have um, carried on and perhaps potentially got worse. So I was trying to rein it in because I was like, oh, I'm always hungry, I'm always hungry at the moment, oh, it must be my hormones. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take this slowly to wind this back. And actually there were a couple of days where I didn't it just kind of lost control of it and rather than feeling like I'd fallen off the wagon I just thought okay today didn't go the way that I wanted to let's draw a line under it tomorrow's completely fresh I don't have to make up for yesterday's sins if you like because I know that can sometimes be the headspace people get into where they think oh I was I was bad again in inverted commas yesterday um so I'll be extra good today I didn't do that it's just like right let's just reset let's start again let's reset let's start again and eventually the reset worked but I think it's this panic mentality that comes in especially with stuff related to food and body image and weight and diet and everything you can think I've got to be perfect and not only have I got to be perfect I've got to be so perfect that um we make it harder for ourselves and so just don't make it hard on yourself like I don't want to make my life harder than it needs to be (laughs) so I didn't want to So I hope that that answers your question because it does feel like the mental hurdle is getting back on the wagon. So forget about a wagon. Reset at the end of every day. Don't think of a day as a good day or a bad day. Just think, right, today my intention is this because I want to feel this and this and it would be great to work towards this and just really break it down and keep it simple. Again, when it comes to the mindset around food, Emma and Chloe, the EC method and that support you get from the Facebook group, might be a really helpful resource for you and there are lots of people in there our kind of age who have been doing the same dance around food and weight for a long long time who've who've got through exactly what you're describing who'll be able to uh, counsel you or offer insight if you go in there and say look this is what I'm struggling with I think you'll find it a really helpful place um Natalie has asked I always love finding out what surprising things have happened to people along the way so my question would be what did you expect to happen but didn't so this is this is in relating to this is relating to weight loss dieting fitness or health and then I did ask Natalie for some clarity on that and she said what expectations did you have going into the new habits or routines that that made sorry what expectations did you have going into the new habits or routines that you made that were happily surprised to see were unrealistic or even unhealthy For example, I think health and fitness are sold to us as huge problem solvers, almost as if when we become fitter, we have to stop worrying about X, Y, and Z too. So I guess I'm wondering if that kind of thinking influenced any of your goals and or plans to reach those goals. And again, I still, I honestly, I still feel a little bit woolly about what this is exactly asking because I went back and I thought, oh, this is like, oh, so on the way to doing press-ups, was it a surprise to discover that you also found that actually being humble, being a beginner, going back to the beginning, progress, taking it slowly was helpful. But I I don't actually think it's that. I think was there anything that I realized was um, unhelpful on the way? Um, Because the question is, what expectations did you have going into the new habits or routines that you made that were happily surprised to see were unrealistic or even unhealthy? I don't know as if I've had that with any of the habits, to be completely honest. I think the only time I really came a cropper with habits was back in the 2018 ones when we did 26 habits, when I tried to do the ketogenic diet twice and I couldn't do it. And I'd been hearing about, um, at the time, and I uh, just to clarify, I would not attempt a diet now as part of a habit. I think it's really unhelpful and unhealthy. But at the time, it was relatively new and people were talking about how it switched you from burning carbohydrates to burning fat, and I lapped that up. And I could not do it. And the reason clearly is because there were some issues with food that I needed to overcome before I could attempt anything like that. But um, I think the two attempts that made me realize that actually making such a significant and drastic change to the way that you eat is 
unless it's supervised or unless it's with really good reason i don't i think again i think that's unrealistic and can be for some people unhealthy so i if that doesn't quite answer the question natalie please go back into the facebook group and elaborate or and i'll come back to you over there nicola has asked how do you stop yourself from become becoming fixated on healthy eating and fitness it's a great question because i think it's really easily done and i think there's an element as well when you start anything of it does occupy 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 it does occupy a significant amount of brain space so you are thinking about it a lot and that can quite easily tip over into fixation i think so i don't know if this is great advice but i think that kind of take that into account for the first few weeks until you become au fait with what you're doing and then what i try to do now is eyeball things and again it's about that connection with you what you want so sometimes sometimes i really want to eat healthily some that's that's a bit of a woolly way to say it but sometimes when i go to make my food in the evening particularly i can get caught up in oh i I won't have much because if i don't have much and that's that's a very old mindset whereas now i think hmm what's my workout tomorrow Oh, my workout's legs. Well, I'm going to need to fuel myself for that. So I have a slightly different thought process, but it's not fixated. It's it's understanding that in the early stages, you make those changes. So say, for example, the night before um, leg day, I'd be really mindful to make sure that I had the right amount of protein. I would want to fuel myself. So I would compose a meal that I think would be appropriate for that because I because I'm thinking long term. I'm not thinking short term. And I think sometimes we can think about just the day in front of us or the week in front of us and try to make it super perfect rather than thinking again about that imperfect action over time. Don't aim for perfectionism. Just show up every day. Like the amount of times I showed up to press ups with a really bad attitude, still got the reps in. Do you know what I mean? Whereas some days I was like, yeah, let's do this. And I was really buoyant, but uh, other days I wasn't. So I think the thing about coming fixated is it's don't think of it as defining you think about what it helps you to achieve and think about the bigger picture than just the food and the exercise don't know if that helps let me know again go into the Facebook group Marianne has asked how do you make changes so that they just become habits and this is just this is just keeping showing up this is very much like the press-ups this is just keep showing up and on those days when you think oh I won't bother today think I will or Again, have that chat with yourself. Do I need a rest today? Because sometimes you absolutely will. But otherwise, I I think it's just a case of trying things on for size. That's what 26 Habits and that, that's what 12 Habits is about. Trying things on for size and seeing how they felt. If you don't like it, don't do it. Just because it has benefits. I really enjoyed cold, cold showers. But again, that's something that I phased out as soon as the temperature dropped below like eight degrees because it's really uncomfortable. It stopped being, it stopped feeling as good. And I know it, I know it has benefits. Please don't shout at me. But um, I think it's about paying attention to what feels good and not wearing a hair shirt and being like, I'm going to do this habit and I feel terrible doing it. And that must mean that I'm getting more out of it. Don't just make, make changes try them on for size and make them gradually as well. I think that's another key factor. Make them gradually because sometimes that can be the biggest shift is not setting the bar really high at the beginning and just easing your way into something again, like the press-ups, wall press-ups to begin with, then on the bench, then on the sofa, then on the, like, ease your way in. And then you'll find that when you get to the full press-up, I'm going to use the press-ups as an example because it's great, you're not even thinking about anything other than, I can just do this now. So think about easing your way in. Sarah has asked whether I meal plan because when she goes to a supermarket or tries to plan weekly meals, she seems to forget all the foods that she likes. I know that I need to eat fruits, veg, pulses, etc. But trying to plan meals, incorporating a variety sometimes blows my mind. I follow people on Instagram who are great at putting together meals and then I just (laughs) screenshot the caption and go to the supermarket. So uh, Emily English is a brilliant nutritionist who I met earlier this year, actually, and I followed her ever since. And I have eaten probably 80% of the meals that I make are directly ripped from her Instagram feed. They are so nourishing. They are so delicious. And they do the thinking for me in, in many ways. But I get this lovely experience of actually cooking these incredible meals i love cooking i love the ceremony of chopping up vegetables and putting things together and whisking things up i I enjoy 
I don't actually like fast food. And by that, I mean food that you can just, oh, I'm hungry. And then within 30 seconds, you're eating. I like a little bit of, I like the preparation and how it sort of tantalizes and primes you and preps you to eat something fantastic. So that's how I meal plan. And if ever I feel like my diet's got a bit boring or if I'm a, or I've got my favorite meals, but I've had them too much recently, so I fancy a change, I go and look at Ian Haste, Emily English, who else do I follow? I've just discovered someone on uh, TikTok, actually, who's got the most amazing voice and just narrates her videos brilliant. I think she's called Justine Dorian. I'll put her, I'll put the names in the show notes. But they just make me want to cook. And they also make me want to buy loads of kitchen utensils, but it doesn't take much <laughs> to get me to do that. Um, Alison has asked, how do you stick to a certain amount of calories per day without starting the cycle of restricting leading to binge eating? That's a fantastic question because that is something truthfully that I'm still working on because it can it recovery is not a linear progress is not the the progress is not linear and some sometimes and especially this year I have noticed that I have kind of taken a few steps back when it comes to things like that calories I find really helpful for essentially being a guide I know not all calories are created equal, but as a guide to um, the amounts of food, as for somebody who could eat in excess very, very easily, I find calories helpful. But I also don't want to count calories by calorie. I want to get to a point. And I am, I would say 90% of the time, I'm at a point where I can eyeball it. So I can be like, right, yeah, okay, I feel really comfortable eating that. I know that that's going to be in line with my goals. Not that it's going to be within my limit, but that's going to be in line with my goals. But a few times I've got a little bit obsessed with the calories and with eating less. And inevitably that leads to binge eating. So actually, just again, we're friends, I'll be really honest with you. A little, was it about two months ago, I had put on two pounds. Now I have kept my weight pretty much in the same four pound window since I lost weight back in the beginning of 2020. And it had gone up. But I was like, yeah, but I'm strength training, it's muscle. Da, da, da. But also I was looking a bit, I wasn't looking the way that I wanted to. And it's because I'd got into this snacking thing. So I'd, I was just, I was like, oh, okay, something's definitely happening here. And I wanted to immediately drop my calories massively and start exercising, over-exercising. And actually what I did, and this is something I've learned from the EC method, I upped my calories because I realized that what had been happening is I was actually pulling away, trying to get to a lower number or trying to trying to limit how much I was eating. And it was leading to episodes of eating too much. So I increased my calories. And immediately that tightness or that kind of uh, restriction around my day was relieved and I felt comfortable and then for like a week I kept to those calories and then from then on I've eyeballed it and I haven't changed them since and everything's going in the right direction so that would be my way of looking at it I don't stick to a certain number of calories I kind of find the benchmark find what a few days at, at a particular calorie limit looks like and feels like and then I eyeball that around it I hope that helps because the binge eating thing the second you start restricting I that's that's definitely going to happen so I'll tell you exactly what I do when I got on the scales and they'd gone up and it was only two pounds but it was enough to make me think ha I need to make a change I upped my calories and I went to the coffee shop and I got a coffee and a pastry because I thought I you are not doing this thing where you try to then white knuckle it so that you're not eating. You are going to have a coffee and a pastry and everything has and you will accommodate what you eat around that, knowing that, you know, there's not really a huge amount of nutritional value in that pastry, but it's freaking delicious. And you're not going to eliminate fun from your diet or the things that you think taste incredible. So that would be again, if you want clarity on that, we can talk about it in the Facebook group because that's a very um, intense and complicated and sometimes tangled topic. Okay. I think we have time for one more, uh, message. One more question. So Jenny, 
How do you plan fun in your life? As I get older and kids' social lives take priority, I feel my life is sadly lacking fun. I actually can't think of fun stuff anymore. I know you don't have kids, but we are the same age, so I wondered if you felt the same. I wish there was a list of fun things to do to save my brain from thinking of them. <laughs> this is so interesting and so timely, because I was actually talking to a friend the other day saying, I feel like a very b- boring human being, because I have some friends who are always out. They are such social butterflies. They're always doing this. They're at this show. They're at that bar opening, or they're doing this, or they're away for a weekend. And just watching them makes me exhausted. But what it's done for very, very many years, and with the rise of social media, this has only been amplified. For many, many years, I thought I was missing out. I had terrible FOMO, and I thought, oh, God, I, oh, why, is, why is my life not like that? Is that what everyone's life looks like? Like, maybe I should be doing this. And then especially with lockdown, where I loved it, and as we've eased back into some sense of normality, I realize I actually feel incredible in my own company. I really enjoy one-on-one interactions with my friends and that's what I work towards and that might and so I think it depends what your definition of fun is for me having a couple of nights a week where I get to basically be silent and by myself but also uh, occasions where I get to go out and see people who who when I see them I'm not very good at small talk but I'm very good at in-depth conversations and deep and meaningfuls as you probably as you would have guessed if you've been listening to this podcast for, for any amount of time And so for me, my fun probably looks quite boring on the outside to a lot of people because it's long walks in the park with my friend, just like shooting the crap about the day and troubleshooting our lives and talking to each other about work problems. And you, but you come away from it feeling so nourished and loved and helped. Like I spend time with my friends. I hope they feel like that. Like I go walking with my friend Ali a couple of times a month. We take we take a morning and we just everything's on the table we just talk about what's going on and I always come away from it feeling a thousand times better and I hope that she would say the same and it's that to me is really like that's my fun that's my I really look forward to those things um I don't want to go to a busy pub and I was just talking to a friend on whatsapp today and I just said, oh, should we do London at this time of year? Because it's just going to smell like piss and poo. And that that's the Grinch that I have become. But for years, I would have been like, oh, yeah, no, that, that's what fun is. But actually, I never really enjoyed it in the first place. So my my thing, my advice to you, Jenny, would be really figure out what you love and what fun means to you, not what fun looks like from the outside to you when other people are having it or what you perceive they're having. Really think about what you love what makes you feel good, what makes you feel nourished and safe and whatever it is that you want to feel invigorated, excited, and then plan that. But don't think that you're missing out on fun if you haven't yet defined what your fun is. Because if you don't know what it is yet, you don't know that you're missing out on it. And that's probably a beautiful place on which to end. Thank you so much for your questions. There are more, but um, this will end up being a three-hour episode if I go into them. But if you want me to do another one, if you've enjoyed this, go to the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. And there will be um, a post where it'll say, ask me anything. And you can add your comments there and your questions. And I can do another episode if this is what you like. If you liked it, it would mean a lot to me if you'd let me know. So thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you like these sorts of episodes. If there's anything that I've said that you either agree with or you disagree with wildly, let's chat about that. Let's chat about it in the Facebook group so that we can um, have some discussion. But it'd be really interesting to hear from you. I've really loved seeing what your questions have been. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you spending this. This has been so nice to talk to you again after a little bit of a hiatus on uh, bullet points. But um, thank you for this time that you've spent with me. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to tell your friends about the Emma Gunn show. Maybe they would uh, maybe they would enjoy an episode, whether it's an Ask Me Anything or whether it's one of my most excellent guests. But share it widely and I hope to see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, 
then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode you have to answer a couple of questions but we cannot wait to see you there come over and join the conversation thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.